Hey everyone and welcome to Splatsportation, my podcast and YouTube channel where I talk about extreme horror books, splatterpunk, indie underground horror, all the nasty, gory, violent stuff that I love to read. As part of my podcast series now, I am interviewing authors from the genre and with me today I have Emma Murray. Welcome to the show, Emma. Um, just as like a way to start, I kind of got into this habit of already asking the same question to begin with. Um, when was the first thing you got published? When did you uh, get started with this? Oh, well, I had my very first thing published that got me into realizing I might be able to be a writer was in high school, actually. Like I won a golden key at the scholastic uh like contest and so i was like wow that actually did better than i thought this short story that i had not i just kind of threw it out there but then i didn't i did write but i didn't try and get anything published for a really long time because i really i didn't look into short stories and stuff and how that really worked and so i thought i had to do a novel and so i just wrote novel after novel that didn't work out for a long time and then I finally was like, you know, I'm going to do some short stories at the same time as writing a novel that actually is the first novel that's going to come out is like the first one that I finally finished. And so it was only like 2019, maybe that I had my first short story come out. Uh, so, not too long. Yeah. Ago, <laughs> uh, you got um, having a quick look at your uh, Goodreads earlier. It looks like you've been in a lot of anthologies, like I have. I love short stories. And so once I got into that, I could not stop. <laughs> so especially once I found out about all the cool anthology calls that were always going on, like mm. I I couldn't stop. <laughs> so were you kind of actively hunting them down? Yes, some of them. Yes, some of them are just stories that came to me. And then I happened to find anthologies or magazines that fit for it. And I was like, that's perfect. Like mm. a couple of my favorite ones I had already written. And then the call opened up and I was like, well, oh, that's amazing. I already have a story. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just gotta love it when it works like that. Yes. <laughs> when they're like, we're looking for this. And you're like, oh, I happen to have one right here. <laughs> yes. I still have a couple like that that I'm like, oh, I really hope anthology for this or that comes up eventually because I have the <laughs> story and I haven't found a home for it yet. You can't manipulate it on social media. You've got to be like, wouldn't it be cool if somebody done an anthology about blah, blah, blah? <laughs> <laughs> I have tried to put some little bugs in people's ears a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do, do you like the um, kind of the anthology approach then? Was it just the fact that you had to work or were you just kind of like, thinking it is a good way to get your name out there. So I actually always really love short stories. Um, so it's not like some people do only get into it because they're trying to get their name out there. But I didn't realize that there wasn't that huge of a market for short stories for a long time because I love them so much. Like um, when I was in grad school for literature, I was way more obsessed with short stories than any of the novels or anything. And so I didn't realize because some of those people are so famous for their short stories mm -hmm. that that's not really a thing anymore. And so I've just loved to be immersed in that whole thing. I read a lot of short story collections and anthologies that I'm not in. So yeah. I'm definitely just in that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like extreme horror and splatterpunk like, does kind of all kind of the indie underground sort of stuff as well. Like it does lend itself quite well to short stories. Like yeah. it does feel like there's always an anthology out there kind of on its way or places like Godless where you can kind of put shorter work and it does feel like it's quite inviting to that sort of stuff. 
I love that so much, especially because, yeah, with horror and slaughterpunk, sometimes stories don't need to be super long to be their most effective. And mm. so I love that there are more and more readers now recently that are finding that, oh, maybe I'll give short stories or like novellas or novelettes like a try instead of only reading novels, which is kind of mm. traditionally what readers apparently only wanted. You know? <laughs> oh, I prefer novel uh, novellas now. I'm just like, that's just a perfect length for me. That I'm is just, the new horror thing, dude. Everybody uh, all about novellas right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to write something slightly longer, but at the same time, I'm like, no, that 30 to 40,000 words is it's just a nice sweet spot. It just feels like just long enough to write or just long enough to read without it being like a commitment of any kind. That is, that the is the only one thing I hear from people. I See, like, yeah. I love to read novellas. I cannot write that length very well. Like it just, I either write like a 2000 word story or like an 80,000 word novel. Okay. <laughs> like, no middle ground. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Like I have, I have one novelette that's coming out and that thing even started much shorter and ended up getting expanded <laughs> to 10,000. So. <laughs> uh, what one's that? What have you got coming out? Uh, that's When the Devil, which is my um sapphic Southern Gothic um kind of creepy revenge, feminine rage story that's coming out. <laughs> May. <laughs> uh that's coming in may is it so is that your <laughs> yeah, exactly. next one out is it yes awesome and did you say that was novella length is it uh it's a novelette so it's a little yeah. bit shorter than a novella although some people still call those novellas so i mean it's yeah. technically a novelette but it's a definitely a quick read everybody yeah. who read it they also the pacing is fast so it's definitely one of those like if you're looking for something to just read in an afternoon yeah. See, again, like, that's what I like about it. It's just, it's like, I used to always watch so many films and now I'm like, oh, I could read a really good book in the same time it would take me to watch a shitty movie that I'm not going to enjoy. So I might as well watch, like, read the novella. That is a great point. I have seen a <laughs> lot of shitty movies that I wasted my time on when I could have been reading something better. I used to, because it used to always be the other way around for me. Like, I love cinema. I grew up on film. I was a screenwriter and I'd be like, I could read a book, which is going to take me eight or 10 hours, or I could read five, like watch five movies in that time and gain more knowledge that way. And it's just gone completely the other way now. Like I could watch that two and a half hour movie that's going to be meh, or I could read a book that I'm going to absolutely love. Yeah, I mean, they are really different, though, like ways of paying attention. So it's also like, yeah. what are you in the mood for? You know, because sometimes you're like, I just really want to like watch like beautiful cinematography you know but like like you read a lot of splatterpunk and write a lot of splatterpunk and that stuff it's like i haven't seen anything on screen that's as close to some of the, the amazing mm. splatterpunk i've read you know like because yeah. your imagination is so much better than any special effects <laughs> i think that's kind of my point is if they were making movies like that i would be like oh my god like now i need to divide my time but <laughs> at the moment i'm like it's only in book form so it's fine. I know they need to bring back practical effects. That's when it they was do. like, yeah, really absolutely. good. You know, yeah. <laughs> the only one I can think of in the last few years was the sadness, the Taiwanese movie that was practical effects and gore heavy, and that was fantastic. But yes. everything else I watched, I'm just like, no, nah, it's not here in this spot. I'm going to read a book instead. I mean, they can do some good stuff with CGI, but it's just not the same. You know, no. like that's why I still love those the older like horror yeah. movies. They get exactly. you more. It feels real when you see those practical effects, you know. It is real. Like it's not real, real, but there's something physical yeah. there, right? Your brain connects yeah. with it better. 
And the actors, I think, connect with it better because they're not pretending something's yeah, happening. Exactly, like, yeah. They're like seeing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's gone too far. I was talking to my um, my nephew yesterday. He showed me his um, his school photo. And I was like, why is the lighting so bad in that photo? It's like, it's a school photo. All you got to do is put a backlight in it. And he's like, oh, no, it was a green screen. So you could have actually tagged off you want. I'm like, oh, this is how lazy it's yeah. all been. <laughs> I hate that. That's like, um, yeah, when you see like behind the screen things and it's like green screen and it's like all these actors like standing on other actors and like green <laughs> things. And I'm like, how do they even act at all? <laughs> like, uh, the fact that it's got to school level now, you're like, no, it's gone too far. <laughs> no, I don't like that at all. They don't need to have a green screen. No, they really don't. <laughs> Absolutely not. That typical ugly blue one that we all exactly. have. <laughs> yeah. They shouldn't have options. Just have that light gray or that ugly blue and just light it properly. Yeah. And have, or those old school 80s ones that are all like with the like shimmery effects and yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bring that yeah, those back. Those weird gradient ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I've, not read loads of your work but i have read a couple of bits and i recently read exquisite hunger and covered it on this podcast actually um which is an absolutely fantastic book oh good good (laughs) (laughs) um before i kind of delve into the book itself a little bit how how did the um kind of the release of it come out like come about because it's not like an amazon your typical amazon thing like how did that all sort of happen and was it kind of purposeful to go more of a I don't know is it a boutique sort of route or small press sort of thing like how did it all happen so um I am in a critique group with um several other horror writers and one of them um is Mae Murray who unrelated we just have the same (laughs) last name but like who (laughs) is head of um, Medusa House Press which is the one that put it out and she was looking to put out some things and she liked my stuff because we've traded stories lots of times to critique and she was like do you want to write something that would be a chat book and I was like well I hadn't ever really thought of that because it's kind of a specific length it's not as short as some of my really short stories you know and um she was like well if you want to give it a go and then I actually ended up getting inspired I was listening to true crime podcast because yeah I'm I'm basic bitch mom like that (laughs) true crime podcast <laughs> although i did it before it was cool okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i was like oh my god i have a great idea for a, a new killer story because i really love to write murderers that's my kind of horror genre although i do write some monster and sci-fi type things and other like more supernatural things but i write a lot of more true crime type stories and so mm. i ended up getting exquisite hunger out actually wrote it in like one evening like the first draft and yeah like it didn't actually end up changing that much it was just one of those flow state things where it came to me and that's i'm really happy that it's been received as well as it has because it is kind of a uh, is very boutique press you're right um and so i'm surprised i've had as many people read it and that makes me really happy Although um, I think that Caitlin's artwork definitely helped with that too, because oh, it's oh fantastic my, cover. Yeah. I know <laughs> I love it so much. I my jaw dropped when I first saw the cover. <laughs> I couldn't believe how gorgeous it was. Um, and May was amazing trying to get more eyes on it. And so I'm really happy that so many people have enjoyed it because yeah, it was like just this kind of passion project between me and this small press that was like trying to 
get some bearings out there and get some people to kind of know who they were. And um, Medusa House did have to take a hiatus for a while, but they're actually opening back up soon. So, oh, and awesome. I know they have a big project they're announcing on Valentine's Day. Uh, I know what it is, but I can't tell you. But <laughs> it's definitely something that I think your readers will like. <laughs> like awesome. It's definitely out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far, their track record has been really good. Like, I've read one and absolutely loved it. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How did... um? So yeah, I mean, it has. It seems from the outside, it seems to have gone really well. Like, is that pure word of mouth, or did they manage to get quite a lot of marketing in there for something that's not? It's not easy to stumble across, right? Like, you're not going to accidentally find this book. You have to yeah. go and look for it. I, yeah, especially because she is very not wanting to put things on Amazon. Because I mean, mm. like, I understand people who are anti-Amazon. It's just hard to sell books not on Amazon. So I knew it yeah. was going to be hard. But no, it's been all word of mouth. Like we didn't do any traditional marketing. And so I'm just really amazed at how amazing the horror community is because like when they like something, they hype it up. And oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Like, and so that's, that's been amazing. Just having so many people reach out and say that they like it or how can I get it? Like, you know, and so that's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to see it. Like, just like you said, as a word of mouth book to, you know, have what you've got now, like 50 reviews or whatever on Goodreads. Like, it yeah. you know, must have been read by quite a lot of people. And I'm yeah, so, I'm in shock. I am so thankful for my readers. Like, I appreciate that so much. Like, it's so nice to be on that side because this was my first, like, standalone release that wasn't in a magazine or an anthology. And so I was really nervous because, mm -hmm. you know, I knew I had some people that liked my stuff and other things, but they hadn't bought just for me, you know? And so to see that people are liking it, it makes me just really happy because I've been that person that's like fangirling other authors and so it's amazing <laughs> to like see people do that to me I'm like can't believe it you know <laughs> like yeah. listening to podcasts like <laughs> I was like oh my god they liked it so much like I was like almost crying <laughs> well I mean that's a good example of the word of mouth like Otis told me about it well he didn't tell me about it he messaged me and was like you have to read this download it now so I was like <laughs> oh okay but I think he heard it off a post from Eric LaRocca, I think. Yes. So yeah, it was all kind of it. word of mouth how it got anywhere near me was for a few people. So it shows it does work if you write something that good. Otis, like, he's so sweet. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was from actually, um, so Eric blurbed my novel that's coming out in August, Crushing Snails. And he was like, people were like, wow. because And I'm like, wow, because I <laughs> Of Eric and so I'm still like in awe of that so people were asking him like well who is this like when can we read it and he was like oh it's not out yet but you can read this one that's out and that got me a lot more people to read it and yeah. so that was incredible very very thankful for him <laughs> yeah so yeah that can't be a bad thing at all having him recommend your book <laughs> have him like my novel is like a life goal okay like yeah. i really want to meet him someday and I'm gonna just like be like such a uber fangirl it's a really <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd be all right with that he seems pretty laid back <laughs> he is amazing his writing is the best like especially talking about short stories I actually really really love his short story collection more than almost anything and I am such a stan of everything he does but like 
his short stories, oh, they're so good. There's one that's about OCD and I also have OCD. And so I was like, I don't know if he has it, but it was so accurately portrayed right. that I was stunned. Like, I was like, I've never read someone write it so correct, you know, like where it's not just yeah. like oh, my hands or something, because not everyone does that, you know. He definitely must have some kind of understanding of it, right, to get it that spot. I don't know, or he's just amazing at research or something. I don't <laughs> like but He is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I've already read one of his books. Like, I keep meaning to read more. Um, oh, you have to. Yeah, oh, the one I read was just, was crazy. I'd never read anything like it before. There was like a story <laughs> within a story, and then there was loads of short stories within that, and then there was like journal entries and poetry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my god he's really good at that too where he uses all different kinds of like ways to tell stories yeah. oh my gosh there's a different co collection that is not that one that um was all told like not all but a lot of the stories are told from like animals and bugs and stuff point of view <laughs> but they're horror oh my god it's so good <laughs> <laughs> no i definitely need to check out more of his stuff I know, I really... I'll, send you I'll be like read these ones first <laughs> yeah exactly. just send me a list where to start with because yeah it was one of those books you know when you're like i don't know whether i'm not sure about this or this is utter genius like and i just couldn't decide for so long and by the end of it i was like when it came to reviewing it on the channel i still didn't know what i felt about it like a week later and i was like well that's got to be a good sign right like if i'm still yeah. trying to process it all like that's got to be interesting at least and in oh, the end yeah. i was like you know what no actually i really like that <laughs> I, I always think that's a good sign. That's how I know that I really, really loved a movie is whenever I, it's like mm. stuck with me and I'm like, that was so upsetting, but good. <laughs> You're like, it must be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it too often. I had it like with uh, Ralph James White's Rabbit Hunt recently where I was like, oh, that was a good book. I enjoyed that. And about a week later, I was like, no, I really enjoyed that. That wasn't just a good book. That was a really good book. Like. It just took that I, little I bit of extra that. time just to process it. Yeah, I love that realization that you're like, you know what? Actually, everyone needs to read this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. By the end of my review, I was just pretty much like, it's not out yet. About a week's time before it's out. But yeah, by the end of it, I'm like, yeah, just go read this one now. Like, it's just, it's too good. <laughs> I love so, that. Yeah. So what's the, um, what's the novel then? What's the uh, debut novel later in the year? Okay. So Crushing Snails is um, about a 16-year-old girl, and um, it's not YA, just so you know, like, because people right away hear that, and they're like, oh, and I'm, it's not at all. Please don't let teenagers read this. Like, <laughs> maybe, like, the super edge lord was, but even then, like, um, and so she's a 16-year-old girl, Winnie, and she has a very, very fucked up family life. She has an abusive dad, um, her mom died and she her mom suffered from some mental illness that affected the family deeply she has um a brother that kind of hates her and is trying to pretend like his home life doesn't exist and she has a little sister that she has to take care of who and they're all really fucked up because of everything that they've gone through and their dad being such an asshole and so um she is very powerless in her life because she's bullied at school she is bullied at home because she's abused so bad she is kind of an outcast like she has a friend but they're both kind of you know outsiders they're not invited into you know the popular kids yeah, at, into at the all clicks. yeah and so she is a babysitter and she ends up um starting kind of this spiral into insanity 
and she it kind of becomes like a her journey to be a serial killer um by starting by killing children (laughs) huge trigger warning (laughs) like it's definitely like you if you need trigger warnings which i don't judge people that do you know i don't read them but like because they're usually spoilery but (laughs) if you do need them you definitely want to check that list (laughs) before you read them because it's um... Do you put the lists on your books and do you have to trick a warning list or? I, um, so it depends on the publisher, like where we put it, um, that, and this one, I'm not sure if we're going to have it. On, I'm at least going to have it on my website because I want people to be yeah. able to find it. Like in, um, when the devil, that one is in the back and that's how, where I like them to be because personally I'm like, I think they should be in a book, but that they should not be at the front. I really hate that mm. because then I might accidentally read it and exactly. I don't want spoilers. Like I like trigger the fuck out of me that's how i (laughs) (laughs) i used to get annoyed enough with the um with the certifications at the start of films when they were like contained blah 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 and i'm like oh no i know yeah i know that (laughs) so yeah with books it's even worse because it's like longer to get through to get there but you know it's coming it's like nah I'm all about like people being able to find that information. Like does the dog die? That website like is great for people that need to know what happens in a movie, but you don't need to tell me beforehand. Like <laughs> I can handle it. Like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I don't put them. Um, I, I generally just put like, you know, like a blanket trigger warning. Like it's extreme horror. It's going to be nasty. I, I, I kind of forget. That. Like I had one with, um, where I killed a cat. I didn't think anything of it. Like, I love cats, but like the cat was already dead in the book. It was like, and I'm like, uh, who was it? Judith Sonnet was like reading the story, and she was like, "Oh my god, that cat!" Like, I just, I was like, "What?" You was like that of all. <laughs> I, was, like, I couldn't even remember. I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, no, yeah, no, I did kill a cat." I get didn't really I? upset about animals. Yeah, animals. Yeah. I will say there is also animal death in crushing snails, and it's not just snails. Yeah. See that's how you but, get the, that's how you get all those good one star reviews. Like yeah, that's what we've I'm done with um, anticipating some one star reviews. Yeah, no, that's but... what we've done with Insuring. I purposely put like Otis's story at the start of Insuring Your Place in How and he killed like a fucking little puppy on the first page. And the amount of one stars we got who didn't get through the first page because of that. I'm just like, okay, with at least your books and stuff, like with <laughs> extreme horror that's very obviously splatterpunk, like mm. How can you be upset about that? So I feel like it makes more sense if a book doesn't appear to be a splatterpunk. Like yeah. the cover hasn't been revealed yet, but I've seen it for Crushing Snails. And it is, it's not really splatterpunk. It's more of a literary, but very graphic horror novel. Mm. So I can see, yeah. I can definitely see how people might get upset with me and leave one star. Yeah, that's when you want to just Like, leave yeah. a one star review. Like, what did you think this was going to be? Did you see the cover? Like, you know? I thought it was a nice Holmesson novel until yeah. they got the vacuum cleaner out. Yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah. some of those people, I'm like, just don't read it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's we like, still... like, some movies I could see, like, you know, you watch, like, Men or something, and you're like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be like that. But, like, if you're going to watch, like, you know, something super extreme, like Human Centipede or something, you can't be yeah. upset. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's the whole point. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's it's a tough one though, isn't it? Because I I agree with that completely. With like yeah, extreme horror splatterpunk, like you know what you're getting. 
some people put the trigger warnings in there. I, I like you, I, I don't put them anywhere. But like you said, if I did, I would put them at the back or I'd be like a click on this link and it'll yeah. give you a list. But I don't know, I, I kind of like being triggered. Like it so rarely happens that they have to catch me off guard in order to do it. Otherwise I'm not triggered. Like it's just one of those things. Like I can't remember the last time I got angry at a book. Like I like, I don't know. I think it was like David Irons' book, his um, his like sleepaway camp style thing. Can't remember the name of it now, but like everyone was such a nasty little fuck in that book. Like they were all bullying all the time, and I was just getting angry with all this bullying. But if I'd known that going in, I would have read it differently. Like hmm. yeah. I can't think of the last book that I got mad at for something like that either. But I do understand why some people need trigger warnings, though. And I feel yeah. like, like, I know people that like, especially if it's things like sexual assault or like something about like murder of a child. If you're a, a mom, like I'm a mom, but I can take it. <laughs> I rock it. But some people can't take it. And I think that's fair, like that they should know, like if it doesn't, like if the book is called like child murder, then you, you know, yeah. like, come on. Yeah. But if the book is called like, you know the darkest hour or something and then you don't know what it's going to be about like then you should have a trigger warning probably available somewhere but like yeah just not at the beginning you know no yeah i just don't want those spoilers uh, until yeah same yeah because yeah then you're waiting for it too you're like oh so there's like yeah death of an animal or something you're like when is is it this one yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. happen? and then i'm not paying attention the same way <laughs> yeah no exactly that yeah i remember watching this film um and yeah like something that gets to me at times is suicide but i don't you know I, I can read it fine but this film had someone killed themselves at the end of it and i was not ready for it and it absolutely devastated me but if i knew it going in then i would have been waiting for it for the whole film it wouldn't have had the same yeah. impact like sounds really effective it sounds like that was what yeah. it was supposed to do yeah exactly yeah there's no way you knew it like you wouldn't have worked it out like you can work it out once you've seen it and you know it but all the little details were kind of there but not glaring but yeah if you knew it going in you would have been like oh it's probably that guy and you would have watched it differently yeah that's like when I first played um Doki Doki Literature Club have you ever played that no oh my god I don't know what that is you're gonna have to explain oh my god it's like a it's a game it's like a little like it's like starts like one of those interactive stories like you know it's like anime girls yeah. and like you know you're their friends and you start a literature club and i can't tell you more without spoiling <laughs> it but it is a horror game and it hits you out of nowhere and it because oh, really? like, <laughs> it doesn't feel like, like you know it's a horror game because it's listed as that but like it's like it's, you don't feel like <laughs> that you're trying to forget like your guard definitely goes down as you're like you know, helping these other school girls like on projects and so you're just like get invested in that, and then you're suddenly like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have a list like. of things now that I need to send you. Like, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so, um, what was the um? So, what was your process like then for writing something longer? If you've always been in the shorts, did you have to really plan a new book, or did you just kind of sit there and write it? Like, what was your approach to it? So I am very much a pantser where I just like, I don't, if I plot too much is what I found is a lot of the other novels that didn't turn out was because I get kind of bored with them because I plotted them too much. And so 
my process, because I've written several novels now, I have another one that's coming out next year and stuff. And so I have, they're finally finding homes, but I usually write the ending first. Um, and then I kind of, I, I like to use Scrivener. And so I just kind of make like a very basic, like a bunch of blank chapters. Mm, I use Scrivener and as well. So yeah. I, it's amazing because yeah. I like to write out of order. So then I'll be like, you know, I know, like I have very vague, vague plot points. And then I write like the scenes that come to me and then I connect them. And so it's kind of like, it definitely takes a little bit more like carving it out at the end, like to in revisions to make sure everything flows and stuff. But it's definitely, it helps me to write it faster. Like every time that I do like, cause I do nano every year, like it very much helps me to write like out of order because people who write in order, I get stuck if I have to start at the beginning because I'm like, oh, I don't want to write this part yet. But later <laughs> I feel more inspired to write that part because I know, oh, I need to, tell them about this character and give them this backstory and stuff, you know, like it, it makes more sense to me, but I know a lot of people that drives them crazy when I tell them that I write it out of order. Cause they're just like, uh, yeah, no, I've, I've heard it before. I've done it before with a script. I've never done it with a book, but I don't have a film script where I was just like, no, I just want to write my favorite scene of this story first. Yeah. And then I can build out rather than kind of be like, Oh, I just need to get to that bit and then rush it or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, that's. I think it's the best way because, like, usually the first thing that comes to me is the end. Not every novel has been that way, but almost all of them is like, this is how it's going to end. And a couple of them, is, I had a dream that <laughs> were like how an ending would be, and I was like, I need to get this out, and then yeah, think backwards on what is the story to get to this. You know? <laughs> wow, that is pretty different. That was about as opposite to me as you possibly get. I literally plan everything out, like start from the beginning, get to the end. <laughs> That's what most people do. That's why I feel like I tried to do that for so long and it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> the only thing I can pants at all is um, I'm writing a sequel to The Rock and they're like short stories. They're only like three and a half thousand words each. Um, even it's the same theme, but it's like I could do them. I can have an idea of what I want. But even then I find myself still outlining it in between and stuff. I, I can't help but just write notes all the time. I mean, whatever works for you, you know, mm. like whatever gets that story down, I'm all for it. I love hearing other people's process, actually. I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. Especially nice. So many notes. Yeah. People who do like a million note cards and stuff and like sticky notes and stuff. I love seeing that, even though it doesn't make any sense to me because that's not how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm yeah, like, that's I... incredible that your brain thinks like that, you know? I used to go well overboard with the film scripts using Scrivenger. I'd color code everything and all the scenes would be color coded and I'd have like the cork board up and rearrange everything. I love everything. the cork board. <laughs> oh, that's the best part of Scrivener. That's like my favorite <laughs> part is because I often will be like, you know what? This needs to go over here. Like, hmm. you just look at it all and be like, okay, why isn't this not working? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just comes from the whole index card thing. Like I used to use index cards and I'd be like, no, that scene shouldn't be there. It should go in front of that one and that one. And visually, it really helped. So I mean, that's just a digital way of doing it that still works. So many. Uh, if it was me, I think I would have so many and then I wouldn't know what to put on. I feel like it's easier with a computer because I kind of am like, oh, I have this much space, you yeah. know, <laughs> to put yeah. everything on instead of like a whole rug or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I had one for like every scene. I'd have 52 of them, like every two-minute oh, scene. And it would cover like the whole of my bed and... I'd be like, well, I need to work this out now because I can't sleep until it's all in order. Yeah, that's that's too much. I feel like I would just be like, you know what? This is overwhelming and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that's what you mean though, isn't it? It's like 
just everyone's got their own process that works like i would panic if i had no outline for a story and had to write it like it just it wouldn't work for me i would just anything can happen (laughs) (laughs) i don't like that element of it like i love reading a book where anything can happen but like i'm flexible if the characters start going off in a direction or something kind of comes into it and i'm like oh that's interesting I'll stop and start noting it, <laughs> like start writing notes about it. Like, how would this work then? Like, rather than just go off on a tangent and be like ten chapters that I didn't plan. Like, oh, that's the funnest part is when the characters really take over, and you're like, oh, that's what's gonna happen, and you hadn't seen it coming because, like, because I don't know, people who don't write don't understand. Like, they take on like a mind of their own. They do. Yeah. Know? Like, yeah, and you're like, wow, I didn't realize this is what was gonna happen, but. That's what's happening yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, how dare you fuck up my story? I'm going to kill you even worse now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for a lot of my characters. When people get really attached to them, I'm always like, oh, maybe yeah, don't. don't want to do that. You know? yeah. <laughs> do you get angry as a reader or stuff like that? Or are you like kind of cool with it as you've done it yourself? Um, I like it, honestly. Like, I, I mean, definitely have I been sad that characters have been killed off? Oh, yeah. Like I've had my heart broken, but like, I also, I appreciate it because I feel like writers know when to do it. Like, even if you're like mad at them, like if, if you're that upset, then obviously that was a very well-written character yeah. and did you feel something? And I love that. Like <laughs> there's got certain authors now that I just kind of like the minute I pick up that book, I'm like, right, don't get attached to anyone. Like there are definitely some authors like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Eric quite Butler. that bad. Like it's not like that. <laughs> oh no, Eric Butler for me. Like the minute I pick up one of his books, I'm like, right, just don't get attached this time. You you know what he's gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the worst is whenever you get really attached and then they die in like a really horrible way, and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But at the same time, when I'm writing and I'm doing that, I'm cackling away on the keyboard while yeah, I'm pulling I got off that. everyone's favorite character. <laughs> I've never felt like I mean I feel sometimes I'm like oh I'm kind of sorry for them but I've never like oh no and then people will read it so upset and I'm like oh I kind of liked writing that part yeah exactly yeah that was my favorite scene (laughs) usually writing when people die is like one of my favorite parts so that's why I like horror so So you said um just before we started as well you tend to do a fair bit of research for your book after the new one is that always been a thing or is that something that's kind of come into your writing i am just i love to do research like i have a background in psychology and i grew up like reading the dsm because like my dad was a therapist and then my sister now is a therapist and i'm just obsessed with that and a lot of my horror is psychological horror and it a lot of it delves into like different mental illnesses and stuff which also happens to run in my family. (laughs) I have a lot of different case studies that I'm very familiar with different mental illnesses, but I also just like, I just love research. Like I also have another novel right now that is out on submission and it's, um, it's not a horror. It's a, but it is horrific because it's a post-apocalyptic and it had, it was like, it's like post-nuclear war. And so it's like actually post-nuclear winter because that ended up being a lot shorter. Originally it was going to be in a nuclear winter, but then it turned out from my research that that has been proven that it wouldn't be as long as people used to think. And so I did like so much research on- Films have told me that nuclear winters are at least 100 years old. And like boring ass shit. My husband (laughs) was like, I cannot believe you're reading this book. Like I have a book that's like 
for doctors on how to triage victims after a nuclear attack. And he's like, this is really boring. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's like, and then it'll like barely factor in. Sometimes I'll do all this research and then it'll be like two sentences. That <laughs> but I, I love research. And for this novel coming out, um, I've always been obsessed with serial killers. Like I said, I'm a true crime basic bitch. And so I have always just loved that in personality disorders. And so I did a lot of research on serial killers um, for both this novel and then my novel coming out next year, which also has a serial killer, um, which is called Shoot Me in the Face on a Beautiful Day. Um, and, <laughs> and so thank you. I'm very proud of that. Title. <laughs> uh, and so I they are very different killers that have very different motives, very different like MOs, all of that. And so it's like just very it's it's fun to have all that come in because I know that some people will appreciate that because they'll be able to read it and and kind of be like, oh, I can see how this person is doing this because of this, you know? <laughs> I don't like it when everything's don't make sense. I'm one of those people that I like a lot of like, for instance, hard sci-fi because I want it to yeah. make sense. Like, I don't want it to just feel like magic. Like I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm like, it doesn't have to make a hundred percent sense, but I'm like, I want it to not feel like random, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You're allowed that one sort of coincidence or that thing that's not really a thing, but after that, it has to be all right. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, if it's set far enough in the future, then I can accept. Like, okay, well, yeah. I don't know. But if it's like supposed to be kind of near, and they're like, suddenly we have a time machine, I'm like, why? Can you, explain? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how? <laughs> yeah, gotta go with it with the time machine stuff. You just gotta be like, okay, that's a trope. Just do what you want. Oh, time machines that drives me crazy because I'm all about that whole like that short story where like they went off the path and step on the butterfly and it changes everything. Yeah. I'm like, that's just like you can't time travel doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, yeah. Don't get me started on that. I'm like, people would have fucked it up so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't do the whole time travel thing. I don't mind watching a time travel thing, but I would never try and write it. My brain wouldn't allow it. Just be like, you don't oh, believe a I word of this. So don't even try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be too I bad. I would be like. You know, I would be too much like, well, then this would have happened, and then that would have happened, and then this yeah. would have happened. And suddenly, it's like way too convoluted. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, spend all this time on exposition that can't be proved anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you do any research for um, Exquisite Hunger? I can't imagine what research would be for that book. Um, I actually did. I um, read some interviews with people who actually were real cannibals. Um, there was a reporter who got to try some human meat to like tell people about what it was like. And then there's this um, Japanese killer that ate somebody that both of them had reports on what it tasted like so that I could kind of get into that. <laughs> and also did some um, research on just like butcher cuts and stuff. And like, how would you butcher a human? <laughs> Which there's way more about that than you would think. <laughs> I, I'd done the same for the um, for the Abbey book. Yeah, I looked up all of that shit. And my it's God, what my Google search looked like that. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. If I ever get arrested for anything, like I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm a horror writer, you guys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just read my book. It will explain everything. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, that doesn't help. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that seems like you're way too into this. <laughs> So the um, exquisite hunger as well. Like I gotta say, it's absolutely beautifully written. Like, is yeah. that because the only other thing I've read of yours was the um, the story in ooze? Oh yeah, which was, 
Yeah, which I think you did have a kind of a similar style. Is would you say that is your normal writing style, or did you try something different where it's a sort of chapbook length? No, I'm definitely like I um I love like real literary work too, and so I try yeah. really hard to make my work pretty. I think that that's really important. I try not to be too purple because I know people really hate that. But it's like, it's just, I really, I love to feel like you're in it with all the senses mm. and just like really in the scene. That's like what I feel like I do best. That's why I try to, I don't tend to write stories that take place over a long period of time because I think that I write best like kind of in the moment. So it's yeah. not like, <clears throat> I'm not ever going to write like an epic, you know, like <laughs> not going to, I just can't have things that take place over that long of time. And so I think that that's just kind of my style, just like. I mean, both those stories have some obsession in them. That's definitely some one of my themes that comes up all the time. Like some crazy obsessions, both of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> very much a theme in a lot of my work. Like, one of my favorite short stories is um, in the anthology Obsolescence, uh, and it's called Mother of Machines, and it's about this um, teenage girl that's obsessed with an industrial lathe. Um, and so she's just like, she falls in love with it. Actually, it's kind of a love story, like, mm -hmm. but it's like really fucked up. And I read, <laughs> I read on that one. I think that my splatterpunk friends would like that one. <laughs> Who wrote that one? What? Who wrote that one? Who was the author for it? Oh, so I'm, I, that's my story, Mother of Machines, but oh, it's in anthology, um, Obsolescence, which is from um, Shortwave Publishing, which is the same one that's, um, same publisher as putting out When the Devil. Oh, nice. Cool. So have you, um, do you like the route of um, small presses then? Have, did you consider self-publishing or did you go straight for the smaller presses? So um, I have considered self-publishing, but I I do like to have someone else do all of the stuff for me because <laughs> I'm kind of a boomer in that way. I'm terrible with technology. <laughs> and so like all the formatting and stuff and I know there are people who do that but like it's just easier when you go through a small press but I also I really like actually the, working with the small presses I've worked with which is shortwave and apocalypse party so far like they are so I think it's the best of both worlds in a way because you get to have that traditional publishing route like some of the perks from that where they like well they'll do all the formatting and cover and work with you on all that and and they really help you with marketing and stuff. But on the same time, they're not so big that you feel like you're just a whatever. Like they really mm. are personal with you and stuff. And I love that. I would love to still be like big for whatever it is now, like published. <laughs> I don't think that that's honestly the right route for more extreme horror. I don't think that that sells well there. And like, I think it'd be more likely for my sci-fi to make it to that point than my mm. horror because I write things that are uncomfortable. And the horror that comes out of big trad publishers is not that kind of horror. It's a little bit cozier in a way, even if it's not cozy, like it's more like, you know, creature feature yeah. and a little yeah. bit less gory and a little bit less like uncomfortable. I write a lot of not so much gory, but uncomfortable. Like, I mean, kids die pets die it's a lot about you know psychological trauma and like family trauma and abuse like and so it's those things can be in trad published books but a lot of times they're not picked up as like first books they're more like big names that write that stuff later yeah. 
And so and you I don't want to edit yourself either, do you? You don't want to kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. mute what yeah. you're well, especially doing. Especially not with my horror. Like, no, that's the whole point. Like, I mean, I write what I want to read. Like, honestly, I wrote Crushing Snails because I couldn't find a book like that. And I was like, I've always wanted to read a book like this. So it's like really getting into like the origin of a serial killer because I love reading case studies of serial killers. Like, what was their home life like? What happened to them? Why did they become like that? And I was like, well, I'm going to write that novel. Because there's not that many yeah. like that. A girl, you know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read them. There is um, I can't pronounce her surname. Uh, C. Camionessa, Tanyanessa. She's got like these series of books where it's the girl at different ages. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah, I have that on my yeah TBR. I haven't read them either, but yeah, yeah. they might be kind I, of a similar uh, sort of I idea, maybe. Like yeah, yeah. It sounds like something you <laughs> That's would why enjoy. They're on my TBR. <laughs> <laughs> I've read one or two of her books and they're really good, but I just haven't read those ones. But that sounds like that would be the sort of thing you would enjoy with that. Hell yeah, I'd say that's a great comp. If you like those books, then you're going to like Crushing Snails. Like... <laughs> yeah, go and get her to do the blurb for you. <laughs> um, so if, are you um, currently writing anything? Have you got anything else? Or are you just uh, kind of getting the books out there at the moment? So I just finished um, revisions, the first like real round of revisions on a novel. And so it's with some of my critique partners now. Um, and it's a eco horror story about like um, Texas, like a hundred years in the future when global warming has like brought the coastline in and society has kind of collapsed because of end stage capitalism. And it's this like kind of, southern gothic thing because i really love southern gothics like i'm a huge flannery o'connor fan and so i kind of always strive to write like her and so it's not it's not quite horror but it's not quite sci-fi i don't know what it's <laughs> gonna be so far people have said it's the bleakest thing i've ever written oh, wow. so it's definitely more on the horror side even if it doesn't seem like that traditional <laughs> horror horror thing, covers because... a lot of ground so yeah, exactly. I really don't like it when people act like horror has to fit into this specific box because I'm like, no. really? Because there's a lot of things that I feel like are are horror to me that are not that, you know? And this No, is I had a conversation not too long ago with um, Alton Scouter, who I interviewed first on this, and he was saying about his one, life support, how it's not really extreme horror. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, some of the stuff you cover to me feels extreme. Like, yeah, it's not gory, but, like, I find it more you know, kind of gets to me more than chopping someone's arm off, Will. Like. Exactly. I agree. Because some of the things that have messed with me the most are things that some people wouldn't consider horror, you know? Hmm. I mean, I just had a conversation not that long ago with somebody who didn't consider um, Henry portrait of a serial killer to be a horror movie. And I was like, really? That's one of the <laughs> movies that's ever given me nightmares. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I could watch other things that are like gory as fuck all day or like, you know, zombies and stuff. It doesn't bother me. But that movie really got to me. And they were like, no, I think it's a thriller. And I was like, no. no it's, it's that you one know? for me is, um, have you ever seen Frailty, Bill Paxton film? Uh-uh. There's like one drop of blood in the whole movie and it's the most freaky thing I've ever watched. Like a movie's never got to me as much as that one. Just oh, because yeah, it's just... Totally that now <laughs> it's just the psychology of it like just plays with you so much and you're just like well what's going on here is he or isn't he like it just that scares me more than you know 
hundred percent. Oh, I feel too. Yeah. I'm not scared by like a zombie or a mummy or something the same way. I mean, those are fun. I like those yeah, things. Exactly. So. They're more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and I love a fun horror movie, believe me. Like I like all kinds of horror, but yeah, I'm not scared unless it's, it's really yeah, psychological. And so, yeah. yeah I agree. Like horror encompasses way more than people give it credit for. And I think it's because people think of horror as being like a lower thing. Like people mm. are like, Oh, it's genre. It's not, you know, it's kind of low brow and stuff. And it, I just think that's, thankfully it feels like that is changing with readership that people are starting to realize that horror is more than that. But I, I hate that whole stereotype about it. You know, yeah. I think everything has its place. And yeah, I think horror is just one of those genres that, you can do a lot with it. Like within Extreme Horror Splatpunk, I've read a couple of hundred books now and really any that I would say, oh yeah, they're exactly the same book. Like yeah. you you can do whatever you want in the genre. It's just, you know, you can go further. Yeah, you know, I do think that's really fun with Splatterpunk actually is that I have not read a ton of Splatterpunk, but of the like 20 that I've read, they're all so different and you would think that you would run out of things, but it's one of the most creative genres yeah. I've ever encountered because some of the things that these people think of i'm like damn i thought i thought of everything fucked up that could ever happen like, something just out there <laughs> uh you can take any extreme you can take any circumstance in life and make it extreme like that's the fun yeah, part of it and apparently <laughs> <laughs> i love that i think mm. it's so fun <laughs> <laughs> so if you um would you ever consider putting anything out yourself or are you kind of very much like, no, I'm, I'm enjoying working with these presses. I, I do really like working with presses. Um, I could see if I had something that I was just really in love with and I couldn't get it sold anywhere. Cause I, I do have an agent. And so I do need to work through her for novels. She only covers novels. So I could self pub something else as not a novel, but even with that, I think she would allow me if I, if we tried and it really couldn't find anywhere. And I thought that it was, with me, it would probably not be too extreme. It would probably just be too experimental because I do like to sometimes write things that are just very mm. strange and might not find a home. Like I have a chat book coming out in actually, I think August. Um, that is this really weird. Um, it's it's an audio tour of an exhibit in the fictional MoMA um, for the blind <laughs> about mm. this extreme performance artist. And all of this shit that she did to like be art. And that one took a long time to find a home. And I think it's brilliant. And that's the kind of thing that it's it's quite long. That's why it's becoming a chapbook, but it's not long enough to be like a novella. And that's the kind of thing I could see putting out on my own because I'm like, I really want people to read this, but it doesn't fit anywhere, you know? Yeah. I'm sure. Did I see a um like a picture of that did you put something on social oh recently? yeah i did yeah i yeah. I, uh, I posted about it recently yeah because i was finally allowed to because the contract <laughs> and everything there was the whole thing getting it right yeah, it I'm kind of looked like a pdf or something it was, yeah um it's called it's interesting a performance of a lifetime and yeah that's going to be a really fun one they're saying that there's going to be different versions of it there's going to be a normal chapbook like exquisite hunger that's like a paper kind of almost like a pamphlet you know and then there's mm. going to be like a special edition one. And then there's going to be a third special edition thing that they're saying maybe audio or maybe mm. something else, like, but very artsy fun. And I'm like, all about that. It's going to be fun. That's <laughs> archive of the odd. And they do all kinds of weird, cool stuff. So I'm really excited mm. about working with them. 
So you're not going to be pigeonholed at any point. You're just going to keep experimenting with loads of different genres and oh, yeah. formats and mediums and all the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, why not? You know, <laughs> I feel like writing is an art and people don't always, I mean, some people write just whatever. And they try and like, that's like some people are like, if you want to be commercial, you can just, you know, turn out what people want. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I probably could, but I am not like that. I no. am a ass artist. And I'm like, I think <laughs> our artists and I'm all for supporting other artists and us having weird shit come out, you know, like yeah. don't let the industry pigeonhole you. Yeah. Into doing something that's not you. Yeah. <laughs> No, you got to write whatever you want to write. It's too hard. It's too much of a commitment to uh, not be something that you want to do. And exactly. Yeah. And like I said, there's, you know, like obviously, like, I mean, it's amazing that you found a place for that, right? Like, it goes to show that you can pretty much write anything and just be like, yeah. no, I'm going to find a home for this. Like, it might take a while, but somebody will take a chance on it. Yeah, I'm very thankful for Apocalypse Party taking a chance on crushing snails. <laughs> me in the face on a beautiful day um they've picked up both of those but they have put out some really cool weird stuff before like um they put out negative space if you read that one and that was it's a very trippy cool book and so they definitely take chances on on things and that book blew up like it was hmm. on tiktok it's been it's gotten a lot of you know call outs from bigger people and stuff so sometimes it pays off sometimes people i think the industry sometimes thinks like we don't want to take a chance on anything new because we don't know how people will react, but like sometimes something new and cool is what blows up because people yeah. want that, you know? Yeah. It stands out. And with social media, you can market it anyway, right? Like you can explain what it is. Like if people don't get it, you can kind of, you know, have your own sort of synopsis or your own reasoning behind what it yeah. is and get that out there. Yeah. And, and especially like you find audiences that you didn't know existed. Cause like, I, I didn't know that there was such a huge splatterpunk community until like a year ago. And oh, I was yeah. like, wow, that's so cool. I didn't, I thought it was so niche. And then it's like, no, there's a lot of people who love this. And now the internet and social media have made it where people can actually find each other and it doesn't have to be as niche. It can have more of like a following and have people talk and recommend things and stuff like that. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that community aspect, just, yeah, like you said, it does mean you can take a chance. There's a yeah. few things I've seen where I'm like, that looks really weird. I'm going to have to check that out just because, like, I want to know what it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm the same way, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that sounds insane. I have to have yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. I need to know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, you've only really got exquisite horror out, right? So that would be... Kind of I, and I have my my anthologies and short stories. Like if you if anyone wants to read some of those, um, the anthologies aren't free, but they are very affordable. Most of them are on Amazon, and they're on my website. If you go to my website, um, everything that I've been in is I think listed on there. And a lot of the um, magazine stories are free. I've been in a lot of like online magazines, like literary magazines, that you could read those stories, and so. People can still check things out. They want to see if they're not like, I don't know if I'm ready to read a whole novel <laughs> by her and see like, yeah, my vibe. <laughs> what is the uh, website? What's it called? Uh, it's emmaemurray.com. Nice, simple one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping yeah, people will be able to find it easily. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. That's where I went wrong with splatsploitation. It's not even a word. People are like, I don't know how to spell it. It's a made up word. Like, 
it's such a great name, but oh my gosh, it is hard to spell. It is. I see it wrong all the time and I don't even bother correcting people because I'm like, no, I get it. No, but it's great though. I love it. I was just like, I know I spelled it wrong just the other day. Yeah. I was just it into Google. It came about in a really bizarre manner. Like I wrote um, Abbey versus Splatsploitation Brothers, my first book, but it was originally called Abbey versus the Splatter Brothers. And then I went to like, get uh, Instagram or something for Splatter Brothers and obviously it was taken and it was taken by a bunch of filmmakers making low budget movies which is exactly what these guys in the book were so it's not like I could even remotely use it yeah like, oh shit I need to come up with a new name and yeah like it ended up coming through that like because something else was taken and yeah and then it it's ended up becoming name. a whole brand because of it like yeah, rather than I mean, just yeah. being a book title like, it spells it out what it is which I love you know yeah <laughs> good spotter punk and exploitation movies like i yeah, definitely I need to <laughs> update the uh i need to update the logo in the background because i got one that's a bit more exploitation-y now that one's a bit more vague but the new one's just blood <laughs> just to make certain <laughs> yeah just in case you didn't get it here's some blood <laughs> exactly yeah and yeah your other novelette is that mm -hmm. available for pre-order now did you say yeah that one is available for pre-order and it is available on Amazon or through shortwave. Um, and I mean, they are small press, so I would say recommend ordering through shortwave because, um, shortwave publishing will get a little bit more of a cut. And so will I, but of course I understand people who want to use Amazon and I don't judge them. Cause I mean, I, I use fucking Amazon all the time. <laughs> you can't not use it. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. I, I I so admire people that are like, you know, fuck Amazon and, you know, I don't want to be part of that. And I'm like, yeah, but there's so many books that are so good that are only on there, yeah. you know, and some of us have Kindles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, unfortunately, it's just, yeah, it is the way it is, right? Like you can't not use it really. Like, yeah. Yeah. And people look for your book there. Like I've had, yeah, yeah. so many people with exquisite hunger be like i can't find it and i'm like yeah i know it's not on amazon but this one is so and i'm <laughs> sure sales will also be on amazon whenever it's available for pre-order which i think will be soon i think we're going to do the cover release in february and so right around that time i think we're going to have pre-orders up soon so have you seen the cover yourself yet yes and it is my favorite cover and i love all my covers i've seen so far exquisite hunger is beautiful when the devil is gorgeous but Crushing Snails, it's so <laughs> pretty. Oh my God, I love it. I cannot wait for people to see it. Did you have any um, input into it at all? Or were you just like, did they just uh, show it to you and you were like, yes. Not, yes. <laughs> I'm not a full artist. And so I was cut, I had some ideas and I was like, feel free to shoot these down. And um, they use a couple different artists for most of their covers. And they were like, well, I, what do you think of this guy? And I was like, oh, he's amazing. And then they were like, okay, well, let's just give him like the idea of what it's about and see what he does. And it, I could have never thought of this and it's gorgeous. Nice. <laughs> so one of my the big advantages, I came up yeah. with would have been way uglier. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like this is like, I'm like artist, you have at it. <laughs> yeah, I've done it before. I've shown it on Facebook a few times where I'm like, they like the doodle that I've given the cover artist compared to what they've come up with. It's like, yeah, it's incredible. Like yeah. these like, visual artists. I know. I'm like, oh, I used to want to do that. I'm just not very good at drawing. Oh, God, no, I couldn't do it. So I'm terrible at drawing. So I'm like, see this stick, man. Like, make him real. 
I know it's like I was more like let me write out like a paragraph about it because I can write it better than I could ever try um, and draw you're not going to know what this is a drawing <laughs> yeah that was what my storyboards used to be like it'd be an arrow in a circle and then underneath there'd be like a paragraph of what that actually is <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean we all have our talents right and like yeah. writers gotta write and not draw <laughs> yeah no I did not get any of the drawing talent <laughs> Although there's some people who can do both, like Caitlin, who did my cover. Like, she's also an amazing writer. Like, yeah. so. Oh, they're the ones to just show there. off, yeah. I've used <laughs> yeah. Um, Christine Aldridge for a few times for my covers, and her writing's amazing as well. It's just like, yeah, that's not you do both so well. Not fair, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've worked with um, Ruth Anna Evans, right? Like, her covers are getting really good now. Like, yeah. Oh, she's, she's got some good art. I love her so much, like... And oh my God, I, I'm in Dark Blooms that just came out and I have read it now because I just finished it the other day and it is so good. Like it's a C new one she's put out. That's the anthology that she put together. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. She is incredible. Like she, not only is her own writing so good, but she's such a good editor and like anthology, like curator. Like I love how she found all these stories and fit them together so well. I just that is its own talent that I mm. also do not have. <laughs> I mean, you probably read enough anthologies to recognize it, right, as a talent. Yeah, I read some that did not work for me. And this was like, that's why I was like, damn, this really like flows perfect. And like, it all fits the theme, never feels like, sometimes there's ones where you're like, why is this story in there? I really yeah. recommend the anthology and not just because I'm in it. Like, literally, it's <laughs> like really good. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I loved Ooze. I thought Ooze was great. It had loads of really strong stories. They're all different, but same theme. So yeah, I think she's done fantastic with that one. Yeah, she's awesome. I love her. And her covers are getting so good. Like, I've almost yeah. bought a couple of them. And I was like, I don't have anything for this. I really, I don't have the funds right now or the story. <laughs> but man, I'm tempted. You know? And then whenever those ones sell, I'm always a little bit like, oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of wait around to see who brought it. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do with it? <laughs> you know, I would totally, like, I would get in trouble with my family if I was like, I bought all these covers. And yeah. for nothing. You know, like, I'm like, I'll write something eventually. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. I have to live cover by cover. But yeah, I used her for, um, I got a design one for Elephant Cock, like this novelette i done on Godless. And it was just perfect for what I wanted. So. Well, because yeah, she also does such fun things too. Yeah. Like, I love it. yeah, like she's got such range. Like, I yeah. feel like if you are a horror writer of any kind, she has something for you. you know? Definitely. I think so. And yeah, just get some out as well now. There's loads of them. So. Yeah, she's so fast. I don't know how she does that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really, uh, I think that's pretty much most of what I wanted to ask you covered there. Um, so yeah, again, what wins the release date for your first novel? So um, When the Devil comes out on May 7th. Um, and yeah, pre-orders are up now. And Crushing Snails will come out August 6th. Awesome. Excellent. Uh, I'll try and put a link to um, Exquisite Hunger if I can find it again on the uh, on the video for this. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing the uh, the one in May. I think it's, it's going to be cool to read something else of yours. Yeah, and it's also quick and sapphic and gory. So I think my people that like Exquisite Hunger will like this one. <laughs> awesome. That's exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. It's been lovely getting to chat to you. 
And uh, yeah, just sounds like you've got a lot of cool work coming out as well. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. So thank you very much for coming on. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I get to speak to you again at some other point. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. See you later.